Welcome to the Street Photography Magazine podcast, priceless inspiration and advice for street photographers everywhere. Hello again and welcome to episode 47 of the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine, and this is the place for inspiration and advice by street photographers for street photographers. And thanks again for taking the time to listen. I think you're going to really enjoy this one today. And that's probably because back on the air with me is Ashley Hunsberger, the editor of Street Photography Magazine. Welcome back, Ashley. Hi, thank you, Bob, and hello, listener. Yes, hello. Ashley, well, I've I've brought this up a few times. She has been traveling. She's been in Vietnam since September, right? Yeah. Yeah, she was there for three months, and... We tried to do some of these, but the time difference and internet issues just didn't make it possible. So anyway, now she's back in the States. and Yep, enjoyed it, but good to be home. Good to be home. Yeah, What? Uh, we don't want to get too deep into this, but what did you like best about the trip? Uh, it's such a hard question because <laughs> we got to see a lot of the country and we spent three months, so... It's hard to boil it down to one thing, but I guess if I had to, I would say the people are amazing. They're so friendly and kind, and that was definitely one of the highlights. Yeah, you're probably still processing the whole experience. Definitely. Yeah, oh, that's great. Good for you. Good for you. But you're not going back anytime soon, right? No, not not too soon. That's good. <laughs> Stick around here in the Eastern Time Zone for a while. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, and we're both fighting colds, so. Yeah, if you hear the sniffles, don't sorry, yeah, don't it's mind. It's not it. contagious on a podcast. That's right, it's not. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to edit it too. <laughs> so today we are we are ending Portfolio Month here on Street Photography Magazine. If you've been following us for the last last few episodes, so uh, we decided to make. December Portfolio Month, and I think, you know, the big reason for that is that we see lots and lots of portfolios, and we see some really good ones, and we see some that could use some help, and myself being in in the web development business, I I see a lot of common practices that can can be employed if, uh, you know, if the person who made their website, uh, most of them are DIY, by the way. Uh, knew them. So we thought we thought we'd make this portfolio month and today we're going to talk about um some best practices in creating your uh, online portfolio and some common mistakes that you can avoid. And anything else uh anything else we're going to talk about Ashley? Yeah, I, and today we're going to focus mainly on actually making your pro- portfolio Um, If you didn't hear earlier in the month, Bob's solo podcast about why it's important to have a portfolio, definitely give that one a listen first. Um, As publishers, we can tell you that this is one of the the major factors in choosing the work we publish. But there's a lot of other good reasons to have a portfolio. So definitely give that, that podcast a listen if you haven't already. Yeah, that's a very good idea. Very good idea, because I kind of laid the groundwork in the first one. And so we're going to get into some of the nits and nats this time. So the first thing we're going to do 
is we're going to talk about best practices. And these are things that really most people in the, in the web development business have laid out. Basically a checklist of things that you want and need in order to create a site. Things that when we do client work, we have up front before we even touch the keyboard. So we're going to go through some of those things for you today as it relates to a photographer's portfolio. So, Ashley, what do you, what's, what's the most important thing to do? What's, what's item number one? Numero uno is keep it simple. Um, we definitely don't want to try to get too complex because that will just put a stop to your progress. <laughs> um, even if you have a simple platform you're working on, it's easy to try to add everything at once in the very beginning, and it can get really overwhelming. So when you first start out, just keep it simple. That's a really good rule of thumb. You can always add things later. Yeah, keep it simple. Keep it simple for the visitor as well. Yeah. You don't want it to be complex. Uh, you don't have to have lots of pages. So keep it, keep it very simple. The KISS yeah, principle. Yeah, we've seen really good websites that only have, say, four pages. Yeah, absolutely. And you can always add more later, so start simple. And um, and then if we go to item number two, which is use a framework. And what do I mean by a framework? A framework is, well, nobody builds a house without a um, without a plan. Without a drawing. Blueprint, I'm sorry. Without a blueprint. So have that worked out up front and uh, know exactly what what pages you're going to have. Know exactly what photographs you're going to put in into that because that's the most important thing. And so have that, um, you know, have your framework laid out. And we're going to talk specifically about a recommended framework that uh, yeah, we'll share with fact- you. I know we talked about, Bob, that we'll, we're going to put together even a checklist for you guys to use um, so that you can have a basic framework already built for you. Obviously, you can customize it. You can, you know, if you want to take something out or add something, that's fine. But at least to have that basic framework in your hand before you start is really helpful. So we'll provide a link to that in this show that you guys can download. Yeah, that's right. And... Um... Yeah, so we'll have that all put together. We're, we're recording this a little early, so by the time we put the post together on the 27th, we'll have a link for that that for you. Um, but, it, you know, and it makes the work go much faster when you have the framework, because otherwise you're making decisions every time you go you go to open up the application to make the, uh, to make the website. And if you have the decisions made up front, not only what pages to create, what galleries to create, also what text do you want to put under the pages. Uh, have that written out in advance as well. Yeah, it's true. I don't know about you, but if I have to start something from scratch, sometimes I feel totally overwhelmed and don't know even where to begin. Yeah, and then so. it just, <laughs> anything goes, and, and you're always changing your mind. Believe me, I've been through it so many times, mainly with my own websites. Yeah, and that's why we want to help you because it's so hard when it's your own work. It's much harder. I'm sure, Bob, as a web developer, you've probably experienced that. Helping other people is probably so much easier than working on your own 
personal website oh. and picking your own work. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's very difficult. So what's next on the list? Okay, so keep it simple. Use a framework. And then next on the list is use only your best photos. Your pro your portfolio is how people will make an initial evaluation of your work as a photographer. So you really need to choose your best images. Yeah, and that's probably the hardest thing in this whole process, wouldn't you say? I know you just went through that. Yeah, I was just working on my husband's website. And even though it's not even my own work, it was extremely challenging. Um, I felt like part of the challenge is that you... Choosing your best work sometimes becomes even more difficult when you need to create a body of work because maybe all of your favorite photos don't really flow together in style or in theme and they might not look good together in a gallery, which we'll talk about galleries in a minute, but it can make choosing your best work to display on your website difficult or challenging. And I would say it's probably good to get an outside eye on that. Um, in this case, I was looking at my husband's work, but I'm still slightly emotionally connected to that work. So it was still a challenge. And once we get everything finalized, we'll definitely be asking for outside opinions. I know we asked you already, Bob, but the more opinions, the better. <laughs> yeah, good, good opinions. Um, yeah, not that you have to take all the opinions. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. just having them is valuable. It's funny, when I was at the Miami Festival, I spent some time with Craig Litton, um, who we featured in the magazine a couple, well, almost two years ago now. But he does, Already? yeah, you know, almost time two years. By. And he does, uh, he teaches workshops. He's a photojournalist, I mean, just an amazing photographer. And he does workshops. And he said he spends a lot of time with people going through their portfolio or going through their work that they shot during the workshop. And it can be hundreds and hundreds of photos. And he said he doesn't know how many times he's, there's been photos that have stopped him in his tracks. And they said, this is a wonderful shot. Why, why aren't you keeping it? And they were about to throw it away. <laughs> and then he would explain why it's, it was, you know, he saw it as such a good photograph. So there are things that, that we might ignore that we think aren't any good that, can actually be quite good. So, yeah, and that, I feel like that's a topic for a whole nother time. But if is. you can invest in someone professional, that's definitely a good idea too. Yep, yep, very good point. Only your best photos. Um, and then the next one is break your photos into galleries and projects. Um, and actually, projects are an individual gallery. So for this discussion, a gallery is a group of photos. So you've got, I would say, you would make galleries um, that are based upon the, the types of photos you do. For example, maybe you do landscapes, you do street photography, and you do portraits. That's a pretty simple example. So you would have a gallery for landscape, street photos, and portraits and then separate galleries for projects so you have a couple projects that are finished or even in progress you have a gallery for those as well yeah and just a side note on projects I find that projects are a million times more effective if you 
add a description about them with written content. Um, you may not necessarily need a written explanation for each photo, but at least a general overview of what your project is about is very important. Yeah. What are you working on? Mm -hmm. What's this all about? Yeah, and you may do several different types of photography, like you mentioned, Bob. But you could also have, say you dedicate yourself only to street photography, you can still break street photography into separate galleries. Yep. Uh, you may have street portraits and urban landscapes, and it could be those kind of galleries. But definitely breaking them up into different galleries is helpful to the viewer um, and really organizes your work. Yes. Um, yeah, because when this gets into one of our don'ts, but uh, sometimes we see websites that are just one big batch of photos, like an, like an Instagram account, mm -hmm. and it makes it very hard to evaluate the work. And people like it simple. And people, you want to make it easy on your visitor. And having one big batch of photos doesn't do that. So you're breaking up into logical groups. And like Ashley said, say maybe you only do street photography. Well, it could be color in black and white. It could be portraits, landscapes, or cities. New York, Chicago, Amsterdam, whatever. Whatever works. Yeah. That's a great idea. And one, one thing I found when I was working on my husband's website recently that was very challenging um, when you create a gallery, so you're going to limit how many photos you put in there. Um, I personally said tops 10 photos, but shoot for eight. And so oh. part of the challenge for that to me was finding my husband's best photos, but also making sure that those best photos fit together. Logically, they transmitted the same feeling mm -hmm. in each scene to the viewer um, so that's definitely a challenge, but with some thought, <laughs> you can do it. And yeah. it's definitely worth the effort. I think I spent more time just selecting the images than any of the technical parts of the website. But I think that's where you should probably invest most of your time if you want to create a really nice portfolio. Yeah, keep it, uh, limit yourself, limit the number of galleries. Again, think of your visitor. If there's 50 galleries, they're not going to look at all of them, and they may have a hard time finding the ones you really want them to find. And limit the number of photos in each gallery. Ten. You said you said you said ten to twelve, and you're shooting for eight. Yeah, I said tops ten. Top ten. Looking looking back, I think a few more would not would be fine. When I look at it now, I feel like it could have a few more images and and be okay. But if your work is good enough, it will only take a few images to convince the viewer that you're a very talented photographer. That's right. More That's is right. Less is more. Less is <laughs> more. Absolutely. Absolutely. More is less. I guess it works both ways. <laughs> <laughs> On the flip side, there's always a flip side, right? That's what we talk about best practices. Well, usually a best practice is the opposite of a common mistake. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, very good point. Very good point. And we've seen, we look at lots of websites, many, many websites every week. And uh, what are some good examples that you think 
people can look at? One of my favorites is Joanna Toro. She was our featured photographer not too terribly long ago. And she has some excellent work. She has limited her galleries to a good number of photos. But what I think is so wonderful about her website is how it's organized. Um, when you, We'll put a link so you guys can check it out. But when you enter, you'll see that her menu is divided into stories, which are her projects. And she has explanations about what these projects are about and all the images that go with them. She has seven different projects, and they're all very powerful. Um, her next section are her books. She has two books. And then in her last section of the menu, it's the about section. Um, but she's divided that up into a contact page, a bio page, a blog, and selected publications. And then her social media accounts are right there as well. So not only is her work really good, but she's organized her website in such a way that it's super easy to navigate, super easy to see her projects and really know what kind of a photographer she is right off the bat. So that's one of my favorites. Yeah, good choice. Good choice. And on top of that, she's an amazing photographer. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, that doesn't hurt. Yeah, another good one. And this one was uh, actually made on Portfolio Box, uh, Shamara McKay, who we're featuring, or not feature, we have an article about her um, earlier in the year, earlier in 2019. So I can't remember, is she in January or February? Ah, oh, good question. Sorry, we'll have to look that up. I think she's in February. <laughs> but we have, uh, yeah, hers is real simple again. And her website is She Shoots NY, She Shoots New York. S-H-E-S-H-O-O-T-S-N-Y.com. Great name, by the way. Yeah, she has moments in the street, urban landscapes, lifestyle. So again, just three main categories. And then about me. Very simple, and it really works. Yeah, really effective. This is a good one to look at if you're just starting out or creating your portfolio for the very first time, because it's not overwhelming. You see how simple it is, and it makes you feel like, okay, I can definitely create that. Uh, yeah, yeah. One thing, this is actually our last last one on the list, but I'm going to move it up because you made a very good point. And it's that websites are never finished. They're always a work in progress. It's not a sculpture, you know, where you have to, you know, you have to stop, you know, you have to stop carving at some point. It's not set in stone. It's not set in stone. It's it's uh, bits and bytes, and it can always be changed, and it's really hard to break. So don't worry about being perfect. Don't sit there and say, I can't, you know, I've worked on this site for weeks. I can't launch it because it's I still need to perfect it. Just turn it on. Go with it. And you can always tweak it as you go, tweak it as you go, add new stuff, take things out. And, and by the way, speaking of the portfolios, think of it as a game of gin rummy. I think it's gin rummy <laughs> where you only get to hold so many cards in your hand. So when you put a new one in, you have to discard and take one out. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm talking too much here. <laughs> uh, another point, and I said this in the last podcast 
is buy your domain name yourself. Go to a domain registrar. That's the name of the type of business that sells domain names and buy it there. Don't get it from your web service. I don't care what web service you use. All of them use it as a hook to to do business with them. They say, we give you a free domain name for a year. Big deal. You can buy a domain name for 10 bucks or whatever. So buy it yourself. And that way you have full control. You always want to control this. This is like real estate. So my personal choice for domain registrars is is Hover, H-O-V-E-R.com. There are many others. Um, GoDaddy is probably the biggest, except it takes forever to buy from them because they keep trying to sell you more things that you don't really need. That's why Hover is just simple. You buy it. It's got everything you need. Then it'll try to sell you stuff. And so just by- to clarify this mm-hmm. for non-techie people, Thank if, you. let's say you set up a website and you purchased your own domain name, If you decide in the future you don't like that platform and you want to switch to a different platform, you can take your domain name with you, right? Yep. So that's the freedom. But if you get a free domain name from the platform provider, you can't take it with you, right? Well, you you probably can. You'd have to to port it. You'd have to change the ownership name to you. And that those are more steps. And I would imagine it depends on the company. I mean, most companies are very reputable and they'll let you do it, but you have to jump through hoops. So just buy it up front. Buy it right now, even if you don't have the website, and sit on it. I've heard that uh, domain names, the prices of them are going to be going up in the near future. Oh. Don't know how true that is. I haven't researched it. But uh, this guy, Matt, who's in the domain business said, if there's a name you like, buy it now. Hmm. Good to know. Yep. And I think we've got one more on the list. What's that? Keep it up to date. Keep things fresh. Um, it's great when you start out to keep things simple and don't strive for perfection and just get it out there. But once you've created your website, you do want to update it regularly. And not every week. <laughs> But once in a while, um, put some new photos on there, a new project. Keep it up to date, and then you'll keep your visitors coming back. Yeah, it's so tempting just to make it, and you put all this work into creating it, and then you just let it sit there and gather dust. (laughs) And sometimes it can be years before people go back to their website. So don't let it get stale. Yep, so we have... Seven best practices we covered today, right? Yeah, I think so. Let's see. Those were keep it simple, use a framework and stick to it, only use your best photos, break your photos up into galleries and projects, buy your domain name directly, keep things up to date and fresh, and don't be a perfectionist. This is a work in progress. I like that. That's good. So follow our directions. (laughs) Hi, Bob here. I just want to interrupt the show for a brief moment to remind you that our sponsor this month is Portfolio Box. They're at PortfolioBox.com. We like it a lot because it is simple and it's unique to each photographer. You can uh, have total design control and it looks 
just like your stuff and not like everybody else's, but it's also very minimalist. It has a really sharp design. It's easy for curation and it lets your work do the talking for you, which is what you really want to do. And uh, we're happy that they have given us a significant discount to share with our listeners and our subscribers. And it's 25% off their annual pro plan. Normally it is 80, it's $82.80 per year. But with a 25% off discount, it's only $62.10 a year. So if you want to give it a try, it's free to try for 30 days. Just click the link in the show notes for this show and uh, give it a try for 30 days. If you like it, keep it. And it costs you only $62.10 for the year. Now, this deal doesn't last forever. It expires at the end of January. So if you're even thinking about creating a new site or upgrading an existing site, give it a try now. Okay, now back to the show. So let's talk about that framework. What, what exactly is a framework? Well, a framework is an out, basically an outline, not even a blueprint. Blueprint's a lot more detail, but an outline of what your website's going to look like. And there's some very common pages, some must-have pages that you should... Uh, that you should have on any website, whether it's a photography website or not. And that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna talk about. Um, what are the must-have pages? What's number one? Number one is a home page. Yeah, a home page. That's where people go when they type in your domain and they land there. It's it's, it's the first impression. So it's gotta be good. Um, most websites, I wouldn't say most, many, many photography websites, the homepage is probably their best image, their favorite image. If you go to the two we just listed earlier, both of them have one photograph on the homepage. You don't have to, by the way, but uh, that's a good place to start. Yeah, here's a question for you, Bob. A lot of, um, for example, when I was working on Juan's uh, website, um, you have the option to make one of your galleries your homepage. Yes, you Is can. that a good idea? You can. Many people, I don't want to get into the weeds too much, but you can you can have a gallery that just goes on the homepage, and it may have three three photos that slide, sliders. And if you choose to do that, I would probably have no more than three photos in that slider. You don't want it to be sliding through everything that you've done. Mm-hmm. So that's a good way to do it. Or, yeah, if you have one of your galleries and you've got 10 photos in the gallery, that's probably too many to be sliding across. Yeah. That's a, that's a pet peeve of mine <laughs> when I work with clients. Many, many businesses, I don't think, need sliders or you don't want them. Uh, in photography, I think it's, it's a nice thing to use. But I'd say limit it to three. Okay, so... A dedicated homepage with one to three images is a good idea. Yeah. Of your very best work. Very best. You know, maybe if you have three different genres that you shoot, maybe one from each of those is good. That's what I was thinking. If you have uh, specific galleries with different types of photography, maybe one of each of your different yeah. types of photography. Yep. Yep. Nothing. There's nothing absolute in this, but I think those are good suggestions. 
the next one are your galleries. And again, we, we just talked about that. But uh, you would have, we recommend having general types of photos. Uh, you know, a gallery for each category, just like we said. Um, gallery for projects. And again, limit them. Don't have too many. Six at the most, maybe? Eight? Yeah. I don't know. I'd say six or less, personally. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. When, Again, keep it you know, simple. Bob, when we go and look at someone's, if, if someone contacts us, for example, and they include their website, you don't always have time to sit down and look through 10 galleries of work. Oh, no. And once you have that many, it's almost like, is it all, is it all really your best work? <laughs> That's the big question. When I uh, talked to Harvey Stein couple months ago about his latest book you know he kept using the term filler a lot of times when people publish books they'll throw extra photos in just to make more pages and and uh so he says no no filler don't use filler so don't do it on your website either yeah and if you're not sure what exactly to put on your website um that's a that's a good time to ask yourself what your goals are with the website which i think you talked about some in your um last podcast bob um, so again, take a listen, but you know, you want to think about who your audience is. Are you trying to, uh, get clients? What kind of clients? All those questions will help you decide what work to put on your website. Yeah. We should have made that a category in itself is, <laughs> is who is your audience? Yeah. If your audience is other photographers, that's one thing. If your audience is People who buy advertising images, that's a completely different one. Mm-hmm. If you want to shoot weddings, totally different. Exactly. Totally different. Which brings us to the next one. The next most, one of the, yeah, the third most important page, I guess. What is that? Mm-hmm. Now that's your about page where you explain who you are and what you do. Yeah. And as I said now, maybe I did this down in Miami. Tell your story on your about page. Don't just list, I was born this year. You know, a, a, don't make it a listing of stuff. Write a story about yourself. It's true. People are used to, in the about section, reading, I was born in 19-whatever and uh, this and that. But it almost when you start reading that, it's like your eyes glaze over and it's not a person anymore. <laughs> no, it's a list of facts. That's what I was trying to say yeah. before. It's a list of facts. Make it more than that. And we'll we'll get into storytelling later in the year. Yeah, and if you need help with that, get help. Yes. Find a friend who's a good writer or who loves to read and they can tell you if you've written a good story or not. Yeah, exactly. Too bad we don't have some examples of stories themselves. Hmm. We'll have to do this. This is a work in progress. A work in progress. Everything's a work in progress. Perfection. Even a podcast. (laughs) That's right. Um, And then there's the about page. How do people find you? By the way, yeah, the the contact page. I'm sorry, the contact page. Sorry about that. We see. I'm going to go back to the about page. We see a lot of websites that don't even have them. So make sure you have an about page. The next one that we see not there a lot is the contact page, believe it or not. 
And uh, so the contact page, have a way for people to reach you. Worst case, put your email address. Mm-hmm. And most platforms have a, an option for you to create a uh, message box on your website. Correct. Yeah, a contact form where they can fill it out and then it sends you an email. And on many platforms, it's built right in. Yeah, uh, one thing I noticed too uh, on Shamara's website is that she actually combined her about and contact page yeah, into one. You can do which that. You could definitely do. Yeah, I actually liked how she added her about and connect with me on social media and contact me all in one. So if you want to simplify it, that's an easy way to, to do that. Yep, absolutely. Especially if you're just trying to get it made. Yeah. Do that. And you can even name the page about slash contact. Mm-hmm. Keep it simple. You know, I like speaking of limiting things. A good analogy is Costco. <laughs> you know, you go into Costco, there's not 15 kinds of tortilla chips. There's three. Maybe there's two. That's the same with can, everything. You can taste both kinds through the free sample arrangement. That, yeah, that's true. That's true. Don't, 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 don't get me started on that, man. <laughs> Costco samples. What an adventure. But, um, yeah, this they have they limit the selections on purpose. Yeah. And it makes, so you can limit the selections in your galleries and then give people just a taste of what you do. Yeah, it makes decision-making easier. Anyway, so, <laughs> so use the Costco approach. Yeah. And also remember that you still have your social media where you can post as much as you want. Correct. We're not encouraging you to be a serial poster, but you can include a lot more work there. So don't feel like, oh, nobody's going to see this work and it's also good. And so I have to put it on my website. Not necessarily. There are other places you could share it. Yep. Yep. So what's our next page? Services. Now, that doesn't cover everybody, though. Right. Because you may not have services. But if your goal with your website is to find new clients for any specific genre of photography, then this is a good page to have. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah, if you're selling something, you're probably going to do that automatically. But uh, that's a great place to summarize what you do and how you do it. And, again, that's part of your story. Yeah, you can keep the storytelling thread going in all of these pages, really. And then the last most important page type is publications. Brag about yourself. Not just publications. I mean, it could be gallery showings, mm-hmm. uh, you know, books you wrote, projects, things you published in uh, Street Photography Magazine. Um, have, a, have a list of that, things that you've written about. And it's really nice for people to go to one place to look at all this stuff. Awards, you know, maybe you won won a contest someplace. Um, maybe somebody showed your photos in a local coffee shop. Put that in there. Brag yeah. about yourself. Definitely, it it really makes you uh, feel like when when I look at a photographer's website and they have publications or awards or galleries. I feel like I'm looking at someone who's more dedicated um, to photography and has been recognized by others already. So automatically you feel like, oh, okay, this is someone who who's really a good photographer. 
Yeah. It's a good way to, to make others feel like you're a legitimate photographer who's really working on their craft. Yes, you're right. You're right. Put it all down. If you win a contest on, on a website, put it down. That's something to be proud of. It's not easy to be chosen among hundreds and hundreds of photos, especially in a world that's so subjective. Mm-hmm. And it, it just adds weight to your work because in this day and age, anyone can take photos with their cell phone and anyone can create a website. It's not that expensive or difficult anymore. So this is going to be something that sets you apart. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so that's it for our framework. So why don't you run through that again, just like you did last time. Okay, so these are our must-have pages. You need a home page, your gallery pages, an about page, and a contact page, which you could potentially combine, a services page if you're selling something, and a publications or awards page. Yeah, if you're starting from scratch, use that list and you'll go far. You really don't need anything else, at least to start. Mm-hmm. Well, common mistakes. We do see common mistakes. And again, many of these are flip sides of best practices. So what's the, what's the biggest common mistake you see as you're looking through people's portfolios? That's a good question. I think probably one of the biggest mistakes is the second item on our list here, which is having a huge group of images. Um, when there's too many images and it just looks like you're looking at an Instagram feed or a Flickr feed and you just keep going and going and going, all the work starts to look the same. Nothing stands out. Uh, you can look at it and think, this is going to take me forever to go through and more than likely you'll leave the site. So that's probably one of the biggest mistakes, not curating your work, not selecting your best work, not selecting a limited amount of work. Yeah, I agree. You don't want to make your website to look and act like something else, like Instagram, like Facebook. Facebook's probably a bad example. Or Flickr. You know, Flickr's just a huge gallery, basically. Well, Flickr can be broken up into other galleries. It's probably the closest, I think, to something that, in terms of functionality that, that could be a uh, a portfolio. It's true. You could definitely divide up and organize Flickr well, but most Flickr accounts I see are just a very big photo stream. Blah. <laughs> yeah, that's why they call it a photo stream. So let's go to let's go to our next mistake, and that's using a free service as your portfolio. And even though Flickr can function very well as a portfolio, don't use that as your portfolio. You want to own it. You want to own the real estate. So don't be cheap. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, you can you can have your own website. Uh, for less than $10 a month uh, with some services, uh, Portfolio Box. I hate to keep coming back to them. They're, they're a sponsor this month, but it's true. They're, they're very inexpensive, and they're quite good. 
So you spend all this money on lenses and camera bodies. And if you're shooting film on film and toys for your toys, like straps and bags and all those things, spend a few bucks wherever it happens to be. There's many good services out there. And get your own real estate. Because yeah, I mean, you're talking 10 to $20 a month for something good. That's a couple of stops at the coffee shop. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You can't even get a lens for that, for sure. No. And if you're shooting with a Leica, you, you know, you could. You could have bought a website. Yeah, for like you you years. would. You wouldn't spend enough for <laughs> one lens in the rest of your life. So, uh, so yeah, definitely, don't use free services. It's kind of annoying for us. So. <laughs> and it doesn't draw your attention. No. If someone sends us a Flickr link. I mean, maybe they have it set up really nicely. And maybe if we go there, we'll be like, wow, this is such good work. But will we go there always? A website holds so much more weight because we know that you've put the work into creating something that's your own. Yeah. Whereas there's all kinds of things on these free services and not all of them are excellent work by great photographers. Yeah. <laughs> so you, it, don't, you just don't know what you're going to get with yeah. a free service yeah, and, and you get uh, the ability for, for search um, to be indexed by Google. And I'll tell you what, I mean, right before we started, uh, Ashley said, well, we want to, I want to use uh, Joanna Toro's website as an example. I go, good idea. I just type, started typing her name into the URL bar in my, uh, uh, in my Chrome, Google Chrome. It pops Joanna Toro's website. I probably haven't been there in a year. There it is. So yep. that wouldn't happen if she was on Flickr. Yeah, very true. Yeah, so it makes you easier to find. It's your so real estate. No, no free services. No freebies. Curate your work. Don't just have a huge pool of images. And that's the old adage, and I, you've probably heard me mention this before. If it's free, you are the product. They're mm. selling your eyeballs and your data. Okay. That is true. All right. I don't want to sound like a kvetch, but it's important. <laughs> um, next one. This is your field again, Bob. My field. Old technology, old website. Um, if your website hasn't been updated in several years, five years or so, time to update it. You can probably leave it on the same platform. Just make sure you upgrade. Uh, old technology doesn't always work. I, I find many... Uh, photo websites still using what's called Flash. It's the old Adobe Flash technology, which is no longer supported by anybody, including Adobe. And it won't even work on Apple devices because it, uh, it uses, uh, it runs down batteries like crazy. So if you have a website that's still using Flash, get that out of here. Get rid of it. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> Uh, and, and it also won't work well on uh, mobile devices. Uh, that's actually our next item, but but this uh, goes right along with um, having an old website. Is uh, Another mistake is not having one that's mobile-friendly. I mean, mm -hmm. think of yourself. You're, pro well, you're listening to this on a mobile device, most likely. And uh, old websites are not mobile-friendly because they were made before you know, mobile devices were a thing. If you have a website that you have to like pinch and zoom and scroll around with your fingers to see everything, <laughs> timed up. That's just plain annoying. Yeah. 
A side note on the mobile-friendly thing. If you have a good platform, for example, um, I was working on Portfolio Box for Wands. Mm -hmm. um, make sure you configure both sections. Um, usually they'll give you options for yes. the mobile site and the desktop site. So don't just create your desktop site and think you're done. Make sure if you need to configure for mobile um, devices that you do that as well. And check it on your own phone and your iPad. Look at it on your phone. And if it doesn't look right, then go into the mobile section and make a few tweaks. Mm -hmm. um, and you can even emulate it with your browser, but I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> Just use the phone. Use your tablet. So, yeah, I've got a lot of technical things in here, don't I? Yeah, it's good, though. Yeah. These are things that I, I always have questions on that, you know, if, you don't, if you're not techie, you don't know. And sometimes you don't know you don't know. <laughs> well, you really don't. And, and they can be big mistakes in a way. Like this next one is using a what's called a subdomain instead of your own domain name. So, again, it goes back to our uh, uh, one of our initial best practices is buy your domain name. And what I mean by that is when you get a service like like Portfolio Box or if it's maybe SmugMug, WordPress.com, or Squarespace, they give you a domain name, which is like ashleyhuntsberger.wordpress.com. Okay, so that's technically a subdomain. And you can keep that, and you don't even need to get your own domain name. But that's a mistake because it, people can't find you. And again, that is tied. That domain name is tied directly to that service. And if you want to switch services, then your domain name is going to change. It's similar to having your your email account under your, like your cable company, Ashley Hunsberger at, at Comcast.com. Comcast. Yeah. <laughs> or, or whatever. Now, if all of a sudden you decide to drop Comcast and get AT&T or something else, guess what? You're going to lose your email address. It's the same kind of thing. So get your domain name. Don't use that, that subdomain you get for free with the, uh, with the service. Yeah, plus it doesn't look professional. And it doesn't look professional. It's not. I mean, spend $10 a year, $12 a year, and own your name. Yep. Own your name. So what's next? I think we already touched on this. but Yeah, we did a bit. Um, the next thing is not knowing who your audience is. Uh, so you really need to have that clear, even probably before you start working on your website. Know who you want to see this. Yeah, definitely. And as a subtopic to that, depending on upon who your audience is, nobody cares what camera you use. Unless your audience is other photographers. And even half the time, they're not interested. Yeah, it's true. Um, unless you're making YouTube tutorials for other photographers, gear is not really an issue. So you don't need to include that at all. Yeah, I see on many about pages, you know, hi, I'm John Smith, photographer. Oh, I use this camera and this lens. And to the general public, that doesn't matter. So, yeah, so, you know, just do yeah. excellent work. And then maybe, you know, Nikon or whoever will want you to say you use their gear later <laughs> on. <laughs> no, another subject, yes. Another reason entirely to do that. But don't do it for free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Just to point that out, for yeah, for the, the general public, their eyes glaze over when they see that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
talk about the gear to your photographer buddies. <laughs> to us. We like it, but... And last, but not least, and we've already talked about this, is don't be perfect. Where they say perfect is the enemy of good. Mm-hmm. Per- perfect is the enemy to actually getting it done. Yeah, and it's literally impossible. So <laughs> just do your best. <laughs> just and do your... always continue to improve. That's right. Do your best. Yeah. And just keep working on it. Keep tweaking it. And, uh, you know, follow the continuous improvement formula that they have in business. You know, you continually review things. What what have we done right? What could we do better? Make changes. And then go back and review it again. Yeah, and probably a good way to do that, practically speaking, is perhaps add to your calendar every six months a review your website ah, yeah. task. And just review it and see what you can improve. And if you can freshen up those photos or swap some out, go for it. Okay, so as a review, avoid the following. Using free services, filling up your website with a huge group of images, using old technology that perhaps is also not mobile-friendly, using a subdomain instead of your own domain. As Bob said, own your name. And that was a poem. (laughs) And then lastly, know your audience. Don't forget about your audience. Think about who you're trying to reach. And avoid perfectionism. Yep. Do that and you will go far. So I guess that about wraps things up for this episode and for the year. And uh, we've sure enjoyed being with you throughout this year. And hope you continue to listen in the next year. And Ashley, any last words here before we wrap up 2018? Yeah, just that... We wish you well as you create your portfolio. And if you ever need help or have questions, feel free to reach out to us. Absolutely. Just uh, drop us a line at editor at streetphotographymagazine.com. We read our email and we answer personally, not with machines. Okay, well, Happy New Year, everyone. And we'll see you again next year. 